God is good. We have uh, on Sunday services, of course, over the uh, year here, all year long, been talking about uh, being an overcomer. Uh, you know, the word, uh, pardon me, the, the word of the Lord for us was that this was the year of the overcomer for this church, for us. And so uh, when I get a, a mandate like that, I, I begin to just dive into it, and that's the direction we go until He changes it. And so, again, we're going to talk about overcoming some more. And uh, Trudy uh, was here last week and did, uh, you know, boy, she, she hit her good, didn't she? Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it might be your move. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, she talk about, you know, you, when it's your move, it's time to move. You know, God has this part, you have your part. Amen. And, of course, she brought out some things concerning how that affects us in the area of overcoming. And so I'm going to go back to where, uh, where I was a few Sundays back. And I've uh, been kind of working through some things out of Romans 5. And so we're going to go back to Romans 5. We're going to probably hit verse 17 again. And uh, got some things uh, stirring today. I hope you came with an ear to hear today. Uh, you know, of course, we prayed that over everybody today. Uh, God, uh, if this thing can come, uh, uh, you know, come out to the degree that it was shown me, I think we're all going to leave this place pretty blessed. Amen. And uh, with some insight, all right? So here we go. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Of course, talking about what Adam did uh, in the garden and the mistake that was made. And because of one man's mistake uh, back there, it says that, that all death itself reigned through the one. In other words, uh, it literally affected, as Trudy even brought up, the atmosphere. Amen? It changed everything, all right? And I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a minute. Uh, much more those who then receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, what this whole text is dealing with is talking about the difference between what Adam did and what it created versus what Jesus did and what it created. And how many know what Jesus did was far greater than anything Adam did? So look at your neighbor and say, praise ye the Lord, huh? Because if what Adam did was far greater, then we're all in trouble. Amen. Now, what Adam did, and this is kind of heading to what we've got to do today, uh, what Adam did still affects us today, still affects things around us today. You can't go very far without realizing the curses out there. You can't go very far without realizing there's death and doom and gloom and all kinds of misery out there. You don't have to go very far to recognize that there's shame and guilt and condemnation. You don't have to go very far to recognize there's fear and torment. See, all this kind of stuff came uh, because of what Adam did, and it opened the door for all this. In fact, uh, earlier on in this chapter, it said that because of what Adam did, it said that death spread to all men. It spread to all men. Now, when you, you first read that and, and, and run through that, you start thinking, well, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, you know through generational generations and generations and generations, and, and that's absolutely right. There's no, nothing wrong with that. But when you kind of dive into it and start looking at it in depth and you kind of get into, you know, looking at that, uh, you know, the Hebrew, or probably the Greek in the area of your lexicons and stuff, it kind of starts giving a picture of literally like it's a blanket being pulled over mankind. And so that, in a sense, that thing is still out there, still, still doing what, it's, what, it, what it does. And the enemy knows how it works. I said the enemy knows how it works. And, uh, and if, we, uh, if we, uh, we learn, we don't have to be ignorant of how Satan works. Come on, somebody. And we can cut him off at the knees, so to speak, and, uh, and get things working like it should be working. And that's, of course, what we've been doing here. And so let's, let's look at this again, okay? For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive. Look at your name and say, be a receiver, because this is kind of what we were dealing with. Be a receiver, all right? Lambano is a Greek word. It means to take or to get hold of, to seize what's been offered, all right? Not earn it, okay? This is not about earning something. This is about receiving it. Grasp it. Take hold of it. Amen. All right. You know, a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, we, 
you know, out and about, and we all have, you know, friends we might do dinner or lunch with or do something for, and, and uh, sometimes, you know, when something uh, is done for us, you know, and sometimes we're hard to receive. People are hard sometimes, especially guys have a tendency to be this way, not, not always, but, uh, but some men are, and uh, they don't want to receive anything, and, and uh, you know, so it's, you know, or, or if they do, then they're quick to respond that, okay, I owe you one, or, or uh, you know, the next time it's on me or, or whatever, you know, we all kind of do that. Now, uh, you know, I get that. We don't want, nobody wants to be abused or taken advantage of, and that's, that's, a, that's the truth. But, uh, but in all honesty, sometimes we're hard. It's hard for us sometimes to just receive. Receive. Stop trying to somehow do enough to try to get it or somehow to impress God or trying to earn something from God uh, when all along it's already, re- it's already offered, okay? Now, there are things to do, and we're going to see that here in a minute, uh, things that we walk out, things that we do, but it works when we receive what he says to receive, all right? So he says, receive, seize the abundance of grace, which means it ain't going to run out. There's so much grace available, it ain't never going to run out, okay? There's enough for everybody for everything, okay? Now, grace, let's define it. Uh, Grace, uh, charis, is the Greek word. It means, uh, you know, gift or a favor, uh, you know, but but if you just get a little bit further there in in a concordance, it says a divine influence upon the heart and then its reflection in the life. So in other words, and this is what we've been finding out, that time spent with God allows God now to influence, impact, imprint something on the heart. Now, it's not the blood pump we're talking about. It's the core, the center, literally means the seat of control. Everything that happens out of man, comes out of man, comes from the heart, Jesus said. Even Solomon brought that out in Proverbs 4. Everything, all issues in life, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything, what comes out the mouth, the actions, everything comes out of the heart. That's why God looked on the heart. He always looked on the heart. He wasn't moved by the outside. He looked on the heart of man, okay, because that determined where they were because somebody could fake something for a few minutes. Come on. So, what he, so the idea of grace then is an empowerment, a divine influence to impact or imprint the core, the center, so that if he would imprint that, if he would influence that, it would then be reflected in your life through your actions, your words, and on and on it goes. Still with me? So he said, receive the abundance of grace. Now he defines how this all works. And he said, of the gift, everybody say gift. Now, earlier he called it the free gift of righteousness, okay? Now, this is, uh, this is a key thing for today, all right? So, righteousness means to be rendered right. How many know you've already been rendered right? Let's try this. Let's, let's try this. Uh, how many in here know Jesus? About half of you? Do I need to do an altar call? Come on, now, this is Bible class. We all get involved. Amen. Okay, so how many in here know Jesus? All right, so it looks a little better. Might still have to do an altar call. But anyway, all right, so, uh, but it means then rendered right. A free gift of righteousness means that you've already, because you've received Christ, and we're going to see this here in another verse, you've received Christ, and because of what Christ has done now, you've been made righteous, amen. You've been made in a place of right standing or rendered right, amen, one with rights and privileges, it means. The word justified also is a word. In fact, the word justified and righteous, righteousness, justification, all of them are the same uh, Greek word. It just depends on how it's used in a sentence. So you've been justified. One guy says, justified, never done it. Are you hearing me? Because the word righteous or justified means the ability, and this is why it's key, it's the ability to stand before God without guilt, without condemnation, without shame, as though sin had never been. Are you with me? It's, it's free. It's, you got to receive it, though. Somebody says, well, even though I've blown it, 
especially if you've blown it. You better get a hold of it, okay? So we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. If we'll do that, the Word says that we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Let's define that again. The word reign means to rule in dominion. literally means to obtain royal power or to exercise kingly influence and control. Amen. As you dive into that word, it says this. It brings out in the lexicon that it, the word reign itself means the basis and foundation of power. It's the strength to govern, confidence to win. It holds sway or gives stability to an individual. All right? But it's the basis and foundation of power. So if you literally could get a hold of this verse right here, you will already have the foundation and the base of power in your life to be able to take dominion to overcome, to conquer anything. If you can grab hold this verse, this verse right here. Are you still with me? All right. All right. So if we will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, we will then reign in life, in other words, overcome and conquer in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, just to give a couple a little reference, a little other uh, translations, the Amplified says you will reign as a king in life. Uh, the CEV translation says that we will live and rule like kings. Living says that we are kings in this life. The Phillips translation said that you should live your life victoriously. The Williams says that we are to reign in this real life. Come on, amen. And, and the New Living says that to, to live in triumph, and I love this, the message, and this is kind of uh, maybe a word I'm using today, where it says that we're to grasp the sovereign life with both hands says in this verse, grasp the sovereign life with both hands. And that's exactly what he's saying here. So we're talking about the sovereign life, amen, this reigning in life. All right. Now, with that said, okay, we defined some things. Now, let's go kind of head in the direction here. So verse 18, let's bring it up here, if you will. Verse 18, uh, therefore, as through one man's offense, in fact, what he does is really starts to begin to say the same thing, to bring out the same thing. So uh, I just kind of say it in a different way. As through one man's offense. Okay, so in other words, what Adam did, what happened? Well, judgment came. Okay, that blanket of, of death that spread all to all, to all man came. What was, what, was, what was under that blanket? What was involved in that? Judgment. Here comes judgment. Judgment's coming to all men. And it says, but resulting in condemnation. Condemnation. Guilt. Inferiority, um, uh, a, it means a, uh, a, a negative verdict, okay? A negative judgment, okay? Something proclaimed over somebody, amen, condemning another, okay? It means shame, okay? So because of what Adam did, amen, that death spread to all men, and what was involved in it, judgment, condemnation. And even so, through one man's righteous act, talking about what Jesus did, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. In other words, amen, you were made right. Amen. So Jesus came along to make you right. What Adam did opened up the door for the enemy to make sure you're wrong. And you're always wrong. Jesus said, you're right. You're always right. Come on, in him. Amen. I better clarify that. Somebody said, woo. Well, you know. But verse 19, but well, we will. We'll bring, we'll bring that out here in a second. Verse 19. For as by one man, here he goes, just saying it another way. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That blanket pulled right over just everybody now under that thing. This is how they're all guilty of sin. So also, by one man's obedience, talking about what Jesus did, many will be made righteous. Everybody say, made righteous. Now, are you with me? Okay, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, you think, well, that sounds horrible. Well, it kind of is. Amen. Man, amen, you know, there was a time in there where man, you know, didn't realize their need for a Savior. 
So God says, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll put the law out here. In fact, if you want to know the truth, uh, 2 Corinthians 3 calls the law the ministry of death. You think, what? goes on to say the ministry of condemnation. You think, well, why did God bring the law in? Because you needed to know, we all needed to know, we need a Savior because outside of Him, we're doomed. Hey, none of us can do it right. And there are a lot of people who try to do it right. And if you're going to do it in your own strength, all you've done is try to pull yourself under the law. And guess what? It's only a matter of a minute. So you're going to figure out you need a Savior. So you might as well just receive what's being offered and stop trying to earn it all. Come on, Come on somebody. All right, that'll make more sense as we get into this. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But see, look, at where sin abounded. In other words, there's all kinds of, I mean, my goodness, we're all blown it. We've all messed up. Oh, my gosh, I've messed up a whole bunch of times. I mean, I bet I've messed up a thousand times. Oh, my gosh. Is there any hope for me? Yes. Why? Because grace, grace abounds much more. Good thing we got through that verse. <laughs> now, some of you, I know some of you. Some of you, whew, there ain't no doubt this is your verse. Because you've abounded. You've abounded in sin. Yeah, some said that about my life, all right? We abounded in sin. Well, because of that, grace is made available. Amen. Hallelujah. It abounds more than anything out there. Amen. Anything the, that Adam has done and created, all that tried to happen on planet Earth because of what Adam did, Jesus comes along, amen, and fixes it and makes it even better. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? Now, verse 21. It's key here. So that as sin reigned in death, in other words, because of that, that so-called blanket, so to speak, been pulled over all mankind, sin reigns. It just, it went rampant, okay? There was just, it was just no limits, just went all, all over the place. It was off the charts. But he said, even so, you have to understand that grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In fact, I was thinking another translation. Let's see if I wrote it down. I think I was just in the Greek itself. It says that um, through righteousness to life. I love this. Here's how it's worded in the Greek. To life everlasting through Jesus. So it kind of brings the clarity here. See, a lot of times you, you might read that you think to eternal life through Jesus. You might start thinking about, well, someday in the sweet by and by, you know, I, I'm saved. Someday I'm going to spend all eternity in heaven. And he's trying to show you right now in the sweet now and now. Or the ugly now and now, maybe some of you might say. He's letting it be known that that grace will reign through righteousness right here. Okay, now what does that mean? Well, righteousness has made a way for you. Jesus restored fellowship between, between himself and man, okay? And because of righteousness now, you have access at any given time. Everybody say any given time. Let's say it like you mean at any given time. Righteousness has given you the right to approach God at any given time. Because it's in presence, it's in him where grace is. And grace can override any, anything that the enemy tries to throw your way. Anything. So God says, Jesus made a way through righteousness by making you the righteousness of God. Now you have access no matter what. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I just blew it. Well, then you better get, get, get into God right now. Somebody says, well, God don't want to talk to me. Oh, yes, he does. Your only hope out of that mess is him. It ain't you trying to fix it. You know, we always joke around about that sometimes, but, you know, we, we hear a lot, you know, uh, especially being in the ministry, we hear a lot. You know, I got myself into this mess. I'll get myself out. See, that's ignorance gone to seed, right? Because, remember, you got yourself into that mess. So, you know, you trying to get out probably just going to dig the hole deeper. You ever done that? I remember one time I got stuck. I'm going to tell you why I got stuck, and 
when I got, it was a long time ago, before B.C., come on, and I got stuck in a ditch one time, and uh, so I'm trying to get out, and I'm got my car, I'm going back and forth, back and forth, trying to get out, of the, you know, back there, they got ditches, you know, they're ditches, and I'm trying to get out, so somebody comes up, knocks on my window. Dude, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> so the next morning, I had to go pull out my car. <laughs> now, a lot of Christians do that. They get stuck in a rut, and they think by just backing up and hitting her again and hitting her again and hitting her again that it's, they're going to get out of this thing. No, what you need is time spent with him. Come on, somebody. So Jesus made a way that no matter what the deal, no matter the mistake, no matter the ups or downs, he made a way that at any given time you can approach him. Amen. That's why when you make a mistake, you don't run from God. You always run to God. Amen. Now, the enemy, listen, the enemy is always trying to get you to run from God. Listen, what he wants to do is keep the blanket pulled over you. Try to keep that thing between you and the Father. Come on. That's what he's trying to do. Okay? And he holds you in there in a place of condemnation, guilt, or shame. Still with me? Now, this is how the enemy works. All right? His tactic, one of his devices, the Scripture says, amen, it's head tripping, all right, mental trips. Come on, somebody. But a big part of it deals with a thing called condemnation. All right? So there's condemnation. Uh, put, uh, let's go to Romans 8. Put Romans 8 up there, if you will. Romans 8. And uh, uh, how many, have I ever told you how much I love Romans 8? Okay, a few times. All right, so uh, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's you and me. We're the elect. So who, 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 who dare bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. See, he's trying to make a point here. See, listen, listen. The enemy's always out there trying to, you know, trying to bring some kind of charge. He's trying to pull you under condemnation. He's trying to pull you under guilt. He's trying to pull you under shame. Are you still with me? He's trying to pull you under that thing. All right? Because if he can pull you under that thing, you won't go nowhere. Now, this is why. Put, uh, we'll come back to that. I think, Mike, are you back there? Oh, there that's Mike back there. Um, put uh, the Hebrews 4. And tw uh, 16, there it is. Uh, Let us therefore come boldly to the what? Throne of grace. Why? That we might what? Obtain mercy. Okay. Seize mercy. And then it said, and find or discover, right? Amen. The grace, right? To help in time of need. Okay. All right. To help in time of need. So grace is available. Mercy is available. Now, of course, mercy being, uh, you know, that compassion of God, amen, it literally means tender mercies, which means everything, covering everything from this moment back. It covers all that stuff. But grace is what empowers you to move forward from here on. That's what it's about. When you stop and look, don't, don't lump grace and mercy together like they're the same thing, because they're not. You'll always see them together, but this is why. Mercy is for this moment back. Grace is for this moment forward. But you got to go every day to get the grace. Come on, somebody. Come on. And probably the mercy. I know a few of you. Come on. But it says here, let us come boldly with confidence and assurance. See, if we don't receive that you're in right staying with him based on what he did, Instead, you're too busy trying to somehow fix it yourself or somehow trying to earn it or somehow coming under guilt or shame because you made the mistake. You will never, I repeat myself, never come to God with boldness. It won't happen. You won't come with confidence. You won't come with assurance. You'll come in there so sheepishly thinking if you could just throw a little morsel my way, Lord? Huh? Go in there. If, if by chance you could somehow overlook my misery and my miserable condition. And you may be miserable. And you may have, be in a miserable condition. 
But that's not coming with confidence. That's not coming in with boldness. So that's why grace reigns through righteousness. Why? Because it's the free gift of righteousness that allows you to come in regardless of what happened yester minute, yester hour, yester year. Come on, somebody. It allows you to come in saying, Lord, help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. <laughs> right? But see, if you're all full of, if you're riddled with guilt and condemnation, see, it's like you pull that blanket over. And so what happens, it now becomes this, this so-called demonic barrier between you and the Father. And the whole time God has everything readily available to help you out of that mess, but you're too busy beating yourself up because of some lie from the enemy. And he knows how it works. That's why the deception. That's why, hey, just, just pull that little blanket because, you know, you're just such a naughty person and you just got so many issues and nobody really wants to talk to you. I mean, you, you, you've done so many mistakes. I, I mean, God, I mean, you don't really want to talk to him because you talk to God. He's going to be so mad at you. He'll hit you with a lightning bolt. I'm thinking if he's going to hit you with a lightning bolt, he'd done it by now. But that's not in his nature anyway. But the point is, you know, it's, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Let's go back to Hebrews now. Or probably back, yeah, Romans, uh, uh, Romans 8 and 33, I think is where it was. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Somebody says, well, you did make a mistake. That's right. You probably did. Who didn't? Who hasn't? Who made a mistake in the last 24 hours? What would you do? No. <laughs> Listen, listen, he said, oh, I don't think I made a mistake. I, I've been pretty good. Well, the word even says whatever is not of faith is sin. So, I mean, man, if you were even out there and you, you know, you weren't really believing like you should have been believing and you had a little bit of doubt and unbelief, you're, you, you, you need everything we're talking about today. Come on, somebody. Not just saying that you, uh, you know, you, you were smoking dope, drinking beer or something. Come on. Could be you were just in doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief is recorded in the Bible as sin. So that'd be a good time for you to, amen, move toward God. Get this thing right. Come on, right? So who shall bring a charge against God's law? It's God who justifies. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at right now at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. I mean, come on. We don't have to listen to the condemnation and the guilt and the shame that comes. No, Jesus paid a price. Did you blow it? Yes. Are you glad about it? Not really, but hey, I got an answer. Listen, if you get, get a hold of this, you get out of the mess quicker by hearing what we're talking about today. Come on. I'll show you here in a minute. Verse uh, 35. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will anything separate you from the love of Christ? From the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, all these are different, different forms of pressure. Uh, you know, taking, you know, people pressures, mental pressures. Okay, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Okay, all this stuff comes at you. But will any of that separate you from the love of Christ? Everybody say the love of Christ. Everybody say the love of Christ. Okay, now he explains it here. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. This is a quote, okay, out of the old covenant. Okay, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now, that's what you feel like. Everything, oh, my God, everything's, everything's going on. Verse 37, here we go. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors, overcomers, right? Come on. Through him who loved us. Verse 38, let's go. For I am persuaded, I'm confident, I'm anchored that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the, here we go, the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, nothing will separate you from the love of God. But the Bible says, though, you could be separated from the life of God. Ephesians 4 tells us that. It says that, you know, talking about those that are trying to walk it like they used to walk it and be like the Gentiles. He says that, you, you, you know, there's warfare that's going on with your head. And he says you're going to be alienated from the life of God by living that way. And that just means a non-participant of the life of God. So somebody says, well, well, how, well I thought you said, no. The, see, any time that you decide to pull the blanket up instead of push the blanket off, you're going, to be, you're going to miss out. You're going to be a non-participant of what God has already, already prepared for you. Verse 1 of Romans 8. Verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you better get in there then. Amen. Now, in Christ means positioned in Him. Okay? So you position, that's what the letter means. In Christ means a positioning, a position. You positioned yourself in Christ. And it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, he goes on from here on, chapter 8, that's why I love chapter 8 so much, is it goes on to tell you how to stay in Christ. It's just simple. Keep your mind in the right place. Come on. Follow God. Amen. Let him lead. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, all this stuff it talks about in there. Receive what he's offered. Amen. You have a future. You have a destiny. Amen. He'll empower you. He'll do all. Amen. No matter the pressure, no matter the ups and downs, no matter what's arrayed against you, you can conquer and overcome. Why? Because you're staying in Christ. That's what Romans 8 is all about. Okay? But he says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So obviously there must be two different ways to walk. And which one do you think we should be walking? According to the Spirit, right? Okay, so let's define it a little bit, okay, because I got something for you here. Let's define it. <clears throat> you doing okay or am I boring you? That was, that was slow. Amen. All right. All right. So um, here we go. So the word, uh, let's see, let's define, let's define in Christ means positioned in Him. The word walk here means to walk about or to be occupied with or to live life or conduct life. So we're, talking about, so we're conducting life. We're walking either according to the flesh, which means literally means human being, the natural, seen realm, human being. We're just walking like normal human beings. Listen, talking to the church, you ain't no normal human being. Come on. Not with Jesus on the inside, you ain't. So if you're just going to live your life, now this is, what, this is what Ephesians told us, if you're going to live your life like a, some mere human being like everybody else out there who don't know Christ, then you separate yourself from the life of God, not the love of God. You've, you, there ain't nothing out there that can separate you from the love of God. You always will have access to God, always. But you can walk away from the life of God because you've made some choices. Deuteronomy 30, put that up on the board. We'll come back to Romans 8.1. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, a common text, but it, it still holds true. To Jesus, our Father, the Father, after he laid it all out there, the difference between the blessing and the curse, life and death, he said, I therefore call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. In other words, Listen, I've already laid everything out. There's, there's no denying what the blessing is, no denying what the curse is, okay? I've explained it to you. So he says, I'm calling all of you together right now, letting you be known, letting it be known. All right, I took the time and I explained it to you. So I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death. I defined it. This is life, this is death. This is the blessing this is the curse. Now, just in case you don't get it, let me help you. Choose life. He defined it to him. This is the life. This is death. This is the blessing. 
It's the curse. Now, you have a choice. It's your choice. It ain't nobody else's choice. It's your choice. What you want. Choose life. Choose the blessing. Choose life. Amen. Why? If you do, it says that both you and your descendants, everybody around you is going gonna, is gonna to be affected by it. They'll live. Still with me? Back to Romans 1. Romans 8, I mean. Romans 8, 1. All right? Romans 8, 1. So you have a way to walk. Now, when you walk according, when you conduct your life, and it doesn't mean like an occasional once in a while you, you have a little mess up. He's talking about you're, you're, you made a decision, I'm just going to walk according to the natural, to flesh, to human tendencies. Come on. I reached down. I grabbed a little blanket. And I tucked myself in. And what it's riddled with is condemnation, guilt, and shame. Or my choice. I can receive what Christ has done and start conducting my life according to the Spirit. Literally means breath again. Okay, talking about the breath of life, right? So in other words, I'm going before God and receiving what He's done. I draw on the breath of God, let God breathe into me every day, influence my heart so it impacts my life and those around me. Amen. By a choice. You still with me? We have a choice. Uh, Romans... 12, 21. I think I might have gave you that verse. Put that up there, if you will. Romans 12 and 21. <clears throat> okay. Choice. Everybody say choice. All right. Did I give you 12 and 21? I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. I'll turn to it then. There it is. Okay. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, why, why is that? Well, because you have a choice. Listen, 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 hang on. Still with me? You have a choice, okay? You can do the right thing or the wrong thing. You can move toward God or you can, listen, if you move toward God, you'll overcome anything evil with good, okay? Or, okay, it's like it's the same thing about being uh, transformed or conformed. You start meditating, moving in God, grabbing hold of the Word of God, you can, be, you can be transformed into His image. If you choose not to do any of that, you automatically get conformed to the world. So he says, listen, don't be, don't be overcome by all this mess that's out. Don't pull that blanket up on top of you and, and, and bed yourself down in that mess. Instead, overcome it with good. With right things. Now, in context, dealing with move toward God. Think about this. The Bible says this in James 4. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw. Now, you know, you read that, and sometimes I used to think, you know, it's kind of, you know, I, I'm not, you know, wasn't really totally sure, like, draw near, he's drawn. I'm thinking, well, he's already in me. You know, technically and, and, you know, doctrinally, you know, he's already in my heart. That's about as close as you get. Now, you start thinking about, see, but what happens is, he's talking about you have a tendency to pull that blanket, what Adam did, pull it up over you, and by making movement to push that off and move toward him, all of a sudden he has access again. Now, listen, he has access. The verse prior to that in Romans, or probably James 4, verse 7, he says, submit to God. Submit yourself to God and resist the enemy because he's trying to pull that blanket over you. Are you getting this? He's trying to pull that blanket over you. He'd rather bring you under condemnation, bring you under guilt, bring you under shame for something you did yesterday or yesteryear. Some of you are still being held bondage in bondage by something you did a decade ago. I think it's time to throw that blanket off, so to speak, 
and get yourself under a man where God now can influence and impact your heart, amen, and change this thing once and for all. I'll give you another one. Trudy even used uh, one of these references last week. Um, Okay, forgive and you'll be... But if you do not forgive, your heavenly Father will not... You think, now I read that and think, wait a minute. Where it says I've already been forgiven. Exactly. But you want to keep pulling that blanket up. But it's talking about me. Was, ah, that's exactly right. So you're going to hold another person, something that they've done, and isn't it amazing that it affects you? Because it's, it's about, what, what, are you, what are you pulling under here? Are you choosing life? Are you choosing, come on, what is it you want moving in your life? See, now listen, listen, listen. Okay, so I'm just trying to show you, this is how condemnation and guilt and shame all works. You're going along, something didn't quite go right, and, and so pretty soon, you know, you're just kind of coming under it, because, man, I just, I always blow it, I always mess up, you know, can't ever do anything right. Ah! Now, I kind of get that way when I get, when something don't go right, ah! I growl. Everybody in the house goes, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm the righteousness of God, so look out. <laughs> but anyway, sometimes, you know, like, oh, oh, you ever do that? Ah, stupid, idiot. Anybody ever done that? Don't do that. I said, don't do that. Anyway, you don't pull that mess up over you. Come on now. Come on, throw that off. Amen. Did you do something stupid? Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> it was stupid. And probably some verse in there even says it was stupid. But he says you don't, you don't pull that up over you because you have, you have to, you've been, remember, you've been made the righteousness of God. So when that kind of stuff happens, that's when you look up. You don't look down here trying to fix it all yourself. The Spirit of God says, I want to be here to help you. Let me empower you. Let me strengthen you. So you don't do that stupid thing again. I'm looking at you it's like everybody. I'm not. So, so, yeah, yeah. Me too, brother. Look in the mirror and say, shut up, Roberts. You know? Amen. But anyway, so now listen, okay. Uh, I thought this was, was uh, pretty good. It was a, a, a letter that uh, came in from one of a, a partner letter and uh, from another ministry. And, and uh, they had some things that they wrote about. And they were talking about how, 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 how psycholog- uh, psychologists. Uh, tell us that if they could just get rid of uh, a sense of guilt in people, they said 80% of those that deal with depression would be instantly fixed. Just with the sense of guilt, that alone, what it does with, with depression. Right, right? Isaiah even tells us in Isaiah 54, it tells us that, you know, that it's, it's, it's through righteousness that you overcome oppression. So any kind of oppression, it's true, right? You overcome all that mess, okay? Now listen, listen. Okay, this, I thought this was great, okay? Uh, in the book, uh, The Complete Life Encyclopedia, which is actually done uh, by uh, some uh, Christian psychologists, okay? Everybody say uh, Christian psychologists. Okay, all right. Now here, here's what they said, okay? They said that shame, listen, shame is the issue that drives almost every compulsive self-defeating behavior known to the human race. Shame is. Shame. Shame is at the root of all addiction. All addiction. Whether it is an eating addiction, spending addiction, drug addiction, or approval addiction. It may be forgotten or hidden or somehow disguised, but the shame is always there. It is real, and it drives behavior. In counseling, it is sometimes the shame that surfaces first. And other times, maybe the addiction surfaces first. But because shame and addiction always go together, whenever we encounter one, we always look for the other. Shame and addiction can always be found together. Now, you say, why would you read that? Because all it is is we pull that blanket up, don't even realize how it dictates life. 
when you allow condemnation, guilt, and shame, because you think you're, listen, when you go to God and you're going to God saying, Lord, I know I'm just a, um, just a, a filthy sinner, and uh, I'm just always mess up, and, and man, if you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Now listen, if you repent, there's, there's no doubt. You, there's times of repentance and a time to repent. Come on, somebody. But then receive. And if every time you go to prayer, you're constantly repenting for the same thing, you didn't receive. Listen, many of these kind of issues are ongoing because we won't let go of the shame, the guilt, the condemnation. He paid a price for that. If you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Come on, you will reign, you will overcome if you will receive. If not, we constantly pull that little dumb blanket back over us. It becomes now this thing between us and God. And the whole time, God's paid a price. Somebody said, well, why don't God just pull that blanket off me then? Because it's your choice. You like your binky. Or banky. Or whatever. Because somehow or another, it's that, that's the thing we think gives us security. It doesn't give you security. It's hurting you. It's causing you to continue doing the things you hate. The things that bother you about yourself would go away if you would say, Lord, your Bible says I'm in right standing with you. I receive that, sir. Father, I thank you. Thank you for what Jesus did. Thank you for the, the price that was paid. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that I'm in right standing and justified because of what Jesus did. Now, Father, I, I look to you, amen, for grace. I look to you for an empowerment, for strength. Hallelujah, for your ability, for your insights. Amen. Walk me through this. Show me this, sir. Amen. Empower me. Influence me. Amen. Make me the better man that I'm called to be. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. And that's how it starts working. Amen. God's looking for people who will seize that sovereign life. Seize it. Don't play patty cake with it. Come on, somebody. Don't, you know, dibble-dabble and keep wanting to walk according to natural things all the time. Make a decision. You know what? I'm going to go the God route. And God says, uh, look to him and put that mess behind me. Listen, let God take care of the mess behind you. You know, that's your, that's your history. And you are not your history. You are not your past. You are not your mistake. You are not your addiction. You are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are. And you're the righteousness of God. And the quicker you receive that, the more you're able to walk in, amen, and receive the empowerment, the grace necessary to walk out each day, praise God. And I guarantee you, you'll walk in success. Did you get something today? Come on, give the Lord a praise, if you will. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Kind of my notes went all over the place, but, uh, um, you know, we're, we're not justifying sin. We're not excusing sin. We're not uh, somehow, uh, you know, uh, condoning it somehow or another. That ain't what's happening. We're telling you the quickest way to overcome that mess is to receive what he said to receive. If you receive what he said to receive, and in this text, he's talking about receiving that free gift of righteousness, amen, and the abundance of grace that's being offered. If you receive that, you will reign. You will overcome. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Why don't you all stand up? Amen. Let me pray over you. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we give you the praise and the glory right now for the price that was paid. And Father, right now, if there's anything we need to repent of, we repent right now for our doubt and unbelief to not receive what you've offered. Forgive us for not receiving what you've offered. 
So, Father, we receive right now all that Jesus has done for us. Amen. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, do it right now. Do it right now. Just say, Lord, I receive you now. Amen. Hallelujah. I receive you now. Amen. If you're in here today, you've already received Christ, but you, you haven't received that, that, that forgiveness, then receive it right now. Receive it right now. If you're in here today and you haven't received, amen, that grace necessary to walk that thing out, then receive it right now. Amen. Let go of that condemnation. Let go of that shame. Let go of that guilt. You couldn't do enough good to get past it. Let go of it. Receive what he's offered today. Walk free from that stuff. Throw that little blanket of death off. Amen. And stand free in his presence. And let him do a glorious thing in you. Let him show you some things. Let him, let him do something supernatural with you today. Let him do a new thing in your life and in your household. And Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise today. Hallelujah. We release all the yuck and we receive all that you have. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.